Hey everyone, my name is Mohamed Asadola, and I'm your host for Freelance Canada, a show about what it's really like to freelance in Canada. Each week, I interview Canadian freelancers and industry experts as they get candid about the ever-challenging, always exciting, and sometimes hilarious aspects of freelancing. On the show today, I'm going to talk to Lisa Amore. Lisa is a multidisciplinary designer with a background in advertising. A year ago, she left her agency job to dive into the world of freelancing as a branding and logo designer. To date, Lisa has worked with some of the biggest brands, including Shopify, Timberline, and Moosehead Breweries. In this episode, Lisa and I talk about how Canadian freelancers can make the leap to working full-time on their business and how they can better prepare to increase their chances of success. So let's get to it. I'm ready to just dive into it, really. (laughs) Perfect. So perhaps we can get started by getting a better understanding. When did you start freelancing? So that's really interesting. My first experience with freelancing was way back in end of 2016, beginning of 2017. I was still in college at the time. And if you were in Ontario at the time, the colleges were on strike. Mm. I used to be a note taker. And I worked on campus, but because of the strike, I couldn't do any of my work. So I needed a job. I needed money. So I went on the campus job board and found a freelance job for a designer for reports. Okay. Um, And it was an interesting job. So because I had all that time, I could do it. But at the beginning of the year, I got an internship at an ad agency And I felt that as much as it was an internship, I felt I was so insecure of a job (laughs) that I had to keep freelancing, except I did it completely the wrong way. I would wake up at 6 a.m., get on the TTC, work on the TTC for two hours to get to my internship, then work my nine to five, and then get back on the TTC at the end of the day, do my freelance job till I got home. I was sending files with TTC Wi-Fi. It was crazy. But, you know, luckily I got hired on to that internship into a full-time position. And I stuck there for two years before making the transition back into freelancing. And I'll go back a little bit. Which school did you go to? What were you going there for? I went to Humber Mm -hmm. and I was in the creative advertising program, which was super. It was super good. They're really good at getting you into the industry, which is exactly what I wanted. And it worked. (laughs) (laughs) And so now, what is it that you do as a freelancer? Well, right now, I'm a designer first, art director second, mostly building brands and identities at the moment. And I'm really enjoying that work. But in the past, I've done digital work, websites, social. I've even dabbled into out of home and TV. So my skill set is pretty diverse and I've touched different industries, beer, cannabis, CPG, e-commerce. Quite a few e-commerce, yes. <laughs> yeah, you've definitely worked with some big brands. I mean, you've got Shopify, Afria, Moosehead. I think there was like King Ursa or something. Um, yeah, so King Ursa is actually the agency I worked at. So mm. by default, you do some work for the agency. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you now been freelancing full-time for? 
So about eight months, I transitioned back in November of 2019. It's been a journey, but I can say now I'm really starting to reap some of those benefits of freelancing, but it, it did take a while to do it better than I did in 2017 when I was sending files on the <laughs> TTC. <laughs> and when you say uh, reaping some of the benefits, I'd love to know what you mean by that. Could you dive into that a little bit, please? One of the major reasons I started freelancing was to have an opportunity to really pick projects I was passionate about that I really wanted to work on. So that for me, that has been the biggest benefit is to work with people who one value design for their brand or for that specific project. But then also for me to be super interested, super um, into the project and want to deliver the, the best product possible. So I can say I've not been bored <laughs> ever, which is for me is such a good feeling to have and some people never really get to attain that in their work so that's been the biggest benefit for me other than that it's also having to have it being in charge of my own like of my own growth I think when you're in a full-time job sometimes you can delegate that to somebody else which is not really a bad thing but um <laughs> I have taken ownership in the growth and the changes I want to see in my freelance work. And there's nobody else to do that but me. Um, and that's really empowering for me. And when you say you, you started seeing more growth for yourself, I tell people entrepreneurship is the best form of self-growth because it's essentially a journey that you're on and you're constantly learning so much about yourself. And for your experience, I'd love to get a better sense of what has been some of the changes you've started noticing in yourself or perhaps in your own development as an artist and as a creative director? I think as I started to pick projects I was more passionate about, I started to refine my skills in a very specific area. As, as you know, like freelancing is, is like a business. You have to have an audience and you're essentially going to sell. So being able to just focus on brands and identities has really helped me fine tune some skills that I was, you know, once in a while touching in my full-time job. So that's kind of where I've seen the biggest growth and also realizing things about my skill set that I never really realized. I've had a couple of people tell me that I was really good with color and I somewhat knew that, but <laughs> now I actively use it as a marketing tool and tell people like, I'm really good with color. And, <laughs> and, and people appreciate that. There are people out there. <laughs> also, I think one of the things that I noticed right away is I find it really hard to say no. And freelancing has taught me sometimes in a very difficult way when to say no and when to say yes and where to draw the line. Can be, there can always be a tendency to say yes to work. Sometimes that work doesn't pay what it should, depending on your finances at the time. That can get a little tricky because you're like, well, I got to make money sometime. <laughs> but I really had to look at putting value on my time and then saying no to projects where the cost time equation didn't make sense. And are you 
pricing yourself and your services on an hourly basis, on a day basis or a project basis? How have you structured that so far? Mostly on a project basis, I think I get the most value with that structure. When I'm consulting here or there, I'll probably do an hourly basis because the ask usually the ask is a, a lot less. But very rarely do I do an hourly basis. I feel like when I have a project, I, I can look at the client and their budget and the scope of work and then price accordingly. And how much of this have you learned along the way? And I guess how much of, of it has been just a sheer necessity for you to kind of like come into freelancing? Because you've been freelancing now for eight months. So what has been that transition for you? I mean, how did you go about saying, hey, I'm going to leave my full-time work and then be able to transition doing freelance full-time? I think a couple things had to align for me before I left my full-time job. The first reason was family. I grew up in Kenya and most of my family is there. And I found that the vacation time you get in a full-time job was essentially not enough for me to reconnect with my family every year. It was very limited. And then also to have additional days just to, I love to travel, just to go wherever I wanted to go. So I felt very restricted in that sense. I also had reached the end of a really big project at work and I thought it was the right time to do something different. And also there was actually a project, a passion project I'd been sitting on for a year. I wanted to start a textile business. And I was like, you know what, if I quit my job, then this is the time for me to essentially dive into that and put all my energy into that. So I gave my notice and the first thing I did was take a break. I find it really helpful to reset once you've like finished one chapter and you're about to start another. And my way was to travel and see my family and do every single thing (laughs) that I essentially didn't feel I couldn't do that year. Mm. So I, my, went to five countries. I visited my mom. I visit my family for three weeks. I started a business that stopped in a week. A uh, ton of passion projects. It was almost like a purge. <laughs> but once I was done with that, I really felt like I had a clean slate and I could start this freelance journey properly. So that's essentially how it started. <laughs> a big purge. <laughs> It's a big perch, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, you know, you mentioned you went tra- travel, went to go see your family. To travel and to even take such a large amount of time off, most freelancers think that that's not always possible or if possible at all. So how did you plan to make sure that you are able to take time off to go travel, to go see your family in Kenya? What has been your time and your project structure, I I suppose. So I think what makes this kind of a unique situation is that I took the break before I started to freelance Mm. officially. So right from the moment I quit my job, I took the next month off. And I had planned to do this like six months back. 
and plan to also save for it because no one was going to pay me to do any of this, I wish. <laughs> so that was the one way I structured it. I planned ahead of time to take that month, month and a half off. It really helped. It was right before Christmas. So the projects I did get in that time were really small or like end of year wrap up type of projects. So they weren't any, they weren't really significant. So that's the one way I did it. I saved and I just made a buffer between my full-time job and my freelance job. I'm sure you're probably glad that you went on this vacation because I don't know when the next time most of us will feel comfortable flying anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it, it's really true. Yeah. <laughs> so you, your timing could not have been better to just go and do that and then get started on your freelance. So, you know, you did a big purge, you went away, traveled five countries, saw your family in Kenya, came back to Canada. And then what? You said you started freelancing around November. A lot of times it, it seems to be not the best time because a lot of employers or companies or clients are thinking about their December holidays. So I'd love to get a better sense of what happened when you got back and how did you dive right in and go full time? Yeah, it it was hard. I can't say I had a ton of work at that time. You're right. It's the end of the year. Everyone's trying to wrap projects up, not necessarily trying to spend money. So the projects I did get in November were very small. I, I wouldn't even count them as significant at all, but it was still the beginning of my freelance journey. One thing I did do during my full-time job, because I anticipated not having a ton of work in the beginning, was I started to work with a recruiter and recruiters can be helpful, especially if you're in like in the design advertising space. And my recruiter at the time was really helpful in sending me projects that I guess agencies couldn't handle or they just had an overflow of work or really tight deadlines. So that's how I got some work in December. I mean, yeah, in December, end of November. You mentioned you use a recruiter. How did you find a recruiter, reach out to them, build that relationship, determine you know how much their fee is versus what you will get? What was the process there? So looking for a recruiter, it's really, there's a few agencies in, in Toronto, unsure about different cities, but there are a couple agencies in Toronto that focus on finding candidates as freelancers, but also for full-time jobs. So I reached out to one agency and they called me in for an interview, essentially just assessing my skills so that they could place me in appropriate jobs. And also I was able to determine my fee for myself, which is really helpful because that's one of the things I was I was scared of not getting paid properly, but using a recruiter in the beginning was really helpful in terms of building, you know, a little bit of a repertoire client base, um, getting my work and I guess my face out there in, in different companies and industries. It really helped me. It's someone helping you find jobs for free. (laughs) <laughs> and it's 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 almost like having an assistant. It's it's great. <laughs> and if you're starting out and you have zero connections, it's helpful. And 
you mentioned, you know, this gave you an opportunity to determine your pricing structure. What did you mean by that? What was that process like for you? Oh, it was really simple. They just asked me how much I wanted to get paid. And like, I know freelancers do this all, all the time. If they just scream a number. I always say, say the highest number that you're almost uncomfortable with. Mm. I did not get that number. It was a little <laughs> bit less. I'll be very honest. <laughs> but it also taught me to get comfortable for, with asking for what I was worth. Right. At the very least. That was, that was kind of the practice now. Is I, and I do this continuously with potential clients is like, okay, I'm just going to say my price and we can, we can have a conversation from there. Right. I'm not closing the door. We can negotiate, you know, it's really important to get some negotiation skills, but I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable talking about my price anymore just because of that one trick. Mm. So now you've got a recruiter, you figure out your pricing. You didn't get the highest that you were uncomfortable with, but I'm sure you at least got close to it. And from there, when did you start getting clients like Shopify, Afria, Mooseheads? Like how far along into your freelance journey did all those brands already coming up? Well, so the Shopify, Moosehead, Afria were all in my full-time job. Ah. So that's work that I kind of left in my past life. When I started working with a recruiter, I was placed in different media agencies, ad agencies, sometimes a standalone company that I got to work for. I no longer get or prioritize work from the recruitment agency because I've got into a place where I I am working. I can find clients on my own, which Mm -hmm. is helpful. But once you get your foot in the door, in one place and you do good work, they keep asking for you. So that was really helpful for me to start getting into the swing of freelancing. So there's one agency in particular that I did a ton of work for and they just kept asking for me. They kept requesting. And that was helpful for me to kind of see how it worked. And then I also did get some work from like my past connections from the agency, which is what I think a full-time job is really helpful for, at least starting out with one, is that you start to build your network there and it comes in handy when you're freelancing later. Mm. So out of some of those connections came some more work. And then you start to do some good work for them and and, and it keeps they keep asking for you. So it's almost like a domino effect for me. That's how freelancing has kind of built up to the situation that I am in now is that a lot of good work turning into more good work. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And it, it seems you feel comfortable pursuing your idea or your desire to want to want to work full time as a freelancer because it affords you the flexibility that you're looking for uh, while also enabling you to really own your craft and grow even faster than perhaps you may be in a full-time work. So with that in mind, what has been your insights or perhaps even learnings that you could share with others that are considering working full-time as a freelancer? Save. Uh, (laughs) If you're going to transition, you never know 
like for me, I anticipated not having a ton of work in the beginning, but you still have bills to pay. Your bills don't necessarily go anywhere unless you move back in with your parents, which I'm very jealous of, if anyone can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have that luxury. So I definitely had to have enough money to cover my bills. And I would say about six months worth of saved income is a good place to start if you're thinking of going into freelancing. It's a nice security net. And while you're starting to reach out to new clients and find business, it's one less thing to worry about if you know your bills are covered. And maybe you wouldn't have to take um, jobs that are not worth your time or jobs that don't pay enough. So you can really focus on doing work that you're proud of. Um, Another thing is taxes. Oh my God, (laughs) I hate them. I, I, I do not know any freelancer who likes taxes. I absolutely hate them. And, but especially for me, because I am, I'm not a permanent resident, not a citizen. I am an individual with, a, with permission to work in this country, permission to live and work in this country. Mm. So a lot of the tax rules, uh, if you've ever been on the CRA website, it's always permanent resident or citizen. So you, I, I've always had to find something that can like the box I fit in and the rules have always been not so clear for me. And that's part of the reason why I hate taxes so much now as a freelancer, (laughs) but it's helpful to know some, some basics, like when to get a HST number, um, where you can get write offs. I, I mean, I don't have to file these taxes till next year, but I, I'm <laughs> learning every day. <laughs> and, and what has been that process been like for you? Uh, did you register as a sole proprietor or have you decided not to register at all at the moment? Uh, or are you a corporation? What's your setup so far? I am like an individual software proprietor, but because I am not a permanent resident or a citizen, Mm -hmm. to apply for a HST number is tricky. And you can voluntarily apply for a HST number, but you essentially have to either call in or do it by paper. You cannot, like, as far as I understand, you cannot do it online like every other advice page tells you to wait really um not not if you're just on a work permit oh okay okay yeah if you're a permanent resident or a citizen you can do it online and it's really easy oh okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> in my case i i um have to call in or do it by paper which is it's going to take forever so you know i've been procrastinating about that i will do it i promise it, it will happen. <laughs> well, 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 there's no rush. I mean, yes, as you get to the 30K mark, then mm-hmm. definitely you have to. I'm sure you can do it voluntarily as well, too. But I always, at least for my part, I tell people, it's like, hey, if you're just getting started with freelancing, wait to register for your HST. There's no rush for it. You know, a lot of people will try and get it at the same time because they think registering an HST is the same thing as registering a business and it's not. Yeah, that's right. So that's just 
I guess, personal preferences and it just keeps things simple uh, while the person is exploring. Because there are people that will start freelancing and three months into it, it's like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. I'd rather go full time. But now you have an HSC number that you still have to like collect sales tax on for any gigs in the future you decide to get and you have to calculate how much you owe, all of that. So I just tell people to keep things simple when they're getting started and then they can, as, as the business progresses, they can start like moving things around a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty good advice. I, I would say the same. It's like, wait till you need to, yeah. essentially. <laughs> I like your summary a lot better than mine. <laughs> so so now that you've been well into working as a freelancer for all time, what has been certain tips or insight that you believe other freelancers should keep in mind as they decide to get started. So you mentioned putting aside six months of your income, definitely touched a bit on the thoughts around uh, taxes and then also when to go about collecting GSC, HSC. What other consideration are there that you've experienced or perhaps you yourself have questions about, you know, insurance or work-life balance or even, uh, invoicing tools. I'd love to know what sort of problems you're running into. I I think it's a good idea to get as organized as you can in the beginning. I like that you mentioned invoicing is that I try to make it as easy as possible for my clients to pay me. I still have to chase invoices. I feel like if you're a freelancer, I, I don't know how to escape this. If you have ideas on this, please tell me. But I'm still chasing invoices mm. every now and then. It's in my calendar, like every time, it, like when it's due in two weeks, I have to send them a reminder because clients forget. Right. You have to remind them. Right. They really do forget. This just happened to me two weeks ago. I sent an email and the invoice hadn't even been processed on their end. And it was due in, I think, 12 days or something. You have to check. Um, but one of the tools I do use is Wave. It's free. Yes. And they give you reports and you can keep track of your income too. And they also give you a way to process payments online so you don't have to wait for checks or anything. They do have a small fee, but I think it's worth it for the ease of processing payments easily. Mm -hmm. So that's been really helpful. In terms of bookkeeping and keeping track of my income and expenses, I use a mix of Mint and QuickBooks. So Mint, QuickBooks, and I think Inuit, I think that's what it's called, are all, yeah, Intuit, there we go, are part of the same system, all owned by the same company. Essentially, it's one login, and I use all three, but Mint is really good for budgeting and just keeping track of where you're using your money, even on like a personal basis, not just for business. QuickBooks is really good for saving your receipts so that when it comes to tax season, you're not scrambling for where all your paperwork is. And it's easy for you to find, you know, like if you bought a whole a new computer or a laptop that you'd like to write off, then it's already saved there for you. So those are some of the tools I used to get organized in the beginning. Uh, If you're really serious about staying in freelancing, I would highly recommend getting a mentor or 
a circle of friends in your industry or a business coach to really keep you focused on your goals and where you want to go. I've been lucky that my friends are in this industry and we're constantly reaching out to each other for advice. And that has been really helpful and also a big motivator because they're like your cheerleaders at the end of the day. And it's it's helpful to have a circle like that to keep you going because sometimes freelancing can get tricky or sticky. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to get you to try Benji <laughs> uh, for my own selfish reasons. I think what I love about Benji, because I did, I did learn about Benji way before you reached out to me. I knew oh. about it. Yeah, I kind of been lurking around it, just <laughs> looking at it from the sidelines. Um, <laughs> every now and then, when I need to know what a tax write-off is, is I, I'll, that's the first place I go. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> it's good for the people to know. <laughs> yes, yes. At the same time, I, I also don't want it to feel forced or feel like a product placement because <laughs> really the goal with these podcasts is to ensure that we're making this as much about the guests that we have on and as much about the information and the experiences than trying to place Benji in here because if we can ensure that we help and support and educate people, it's up to them to then be like, hey, you know what? I learn a lot and this is a solution that makes sense for me and I'm happy to try it. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the most, I think that for me it, it is sort of like the goal here, but I'll transition us back to talking about freelancing. And, you know, we've talked quite a bit about what your experience has been getting started, transitioning uh, to becoming a full-time freelancer. At the same time, you know, we touched a little bit about people that will, start freelancing for three months and decide it's not for them. So maybe for those who are thinking about freelancing full-time or transitioning to freelancing full-time, when does it not make sense for somebody to transition full-time and just maybe stay as a part-time for now? One thing, I talked about saving, so I'm not going to go into that again, but if you don't have enough money to cover your bills, you're just going to be so stressed out when you're trying to freelance or try to get clients because like, you're just worrying about your, your bank account most of the time. But my second point is, is uh, arguably this, you know, this could go either way, but I, if you are new in your industry right out of school, I strongly believe it is the, in your best interest. And this is an individual thing to, go into a full-time job first only because I find that clients like to see a record of success or a demonstration of skill. Mm -hmm. um, depending on what industry you are in, that might be easier to show without any experience or it might actually be harder if you have no experience. The first thing that comes to mind is like, okay, if you're a designer, of course you can build your portfolio without getting into a full-time job but sometimes clients want to see proven real world work. Right. And getting a full-time job can really help you start to build some of that. And it's exactly, that's what a full-time job did for me is that now I can speak to projects like Shopify and move it. Right. But like, I'm thinking now just off the top of my head, if you're like you're in HR and you've never managed clients, you've never helped people get into jobs or opportunities, and you're just starting into freelance, I, 
I mean, I know nothing about HR, but I can imagine that's difficult to prove to a new client that you can do that job. So I find that if you're in a full-time job, even for a year, even for a short while, to get to get some of that experience in could be really valuable in proving record of success when you're trying to get clients as a freelancer. Right. Yeah, so that's kind of the biggest one for me. And outside of this, what would you say your overall experience has been so far? You know, if we had a scale of one to 10, one being not so great and 10 being uh, superb, where would you currently put your experience so far? At the beginning of the year, I'd have probably said uh, five. I was neither here, neither there. Like, I was just, I was like, I, I was still hoping that it would really work. <laughs> now, I would say it is more of like an eight or nine. I am confident that I'll probably be doing this for the rest of the year. And I'm loving the experience right now. I mean, sometimes it gets tricky with like scheduling and balancing, you know, when to work, how much to work. There's nobody, there's no HR, your <laughs> HR. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it right now. Well, Lisa, I really appreciate this opportunity to learn from you to get all of your insights and i'm just really grateful for this so thank you so much i'd love to know where people can find out more about you and your work online you can find most of my work on my website so that would be lisa omore o-m-o-r-e dot com and on all major design platforms so behance dribble instagram by my name so lisa omore Perfect. Thank you so much. This is great. I, I love that we can just have a conversation about getting into a new field or get, start diving into a new opportunity. It's, it's fun. I'll do other podcasts again. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that. Perfect. Well, that's our show for today. If you liked Freelance Canada, then be sure to subscribe to our newsletter by visiting freelancecanada.fm. You'll get access to all of my personal notes, as well as book recommendations about the topic discussed in the episode. Now, you will not find any of this on our website, so be sure to subscribe if you don't want to miss out. As with most podcasts, you can listen to every episode through Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean a lot if you could leave us a five-star review. It would mean even more if you shared a podcast with another freelancer so it can help them in their journey too. Finally, if you're tired of leaving money on the table because you don't know which of your expenses you can write off, then sign up for Benji. You can start your 90-day free trial by visiting betterwithbenji.com because freelance life is better with Benji. Thanks for listening.